Hey, thanks for checking out the Airborne Youth Podcast. This week you'll be hearing a teaching from our guest speaker. So tonight I want to talk a little bit about um, my boy Moses. He's one of my faves. Love, love, love the story of Moses. And just there's so many things that we can pull from that story, but just a little bit of background on who Moses was. He um, was born into a Hebrew family, and he, like, was born at a time where, like, he should have just never even lived. Like, he should have been killed, and God, like, from the time he was born, made a way for him. And he was, uh, ended up being, like, put in a basket and down the river, and he was collected by Pharaoh's daughters, people, and he um, was raised in, um, like Pharaoh's kingdom or whatever it is. Like he, you know, he was raised by these like powerful Egyptian people. Um, and all the while he's seeing like his Hebrew people, the Israelites growing up as slaves around him. Um, and I, I mean, I think it's just like an evident thing that like from the beginning, you can see that God's hand was on his life. Um, as he got older, he ended up like killing an Egyptian person in protecting one of his own people, and fled. So he disappears. I'm giving you a very short version of the story. You should totally go to Exodus and read all this. But he goes, um, and then God, he, like, ends up encountering the Lord, okay, after he's fled. And the Lord is, like, saying, okay, Moses, I'm calling you back. And and God's saying, like, I'm calling you back, and you're going to deliver the Israelites out of Egypt. And in Exodus 4, Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord said to him, who gave human beings their mouths? Who makes them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. One of my favorite parts about Moses is that he wrestles with the Lord. Like, God's telling him to go, and he's just like, whoa, wait one second. Like, I really suck at talking. I'm not a good talker. You know, he's, like, being honest with the Lord, and he's telling him, like, I don't feel equipped to do this. And God's like, no, but go. And Moses says one more time in verse 13, he says, pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. And I love that because he's just, like, being open and honest, and he's saying, like, I really don't want to do this. Um But then the Lord's anger, it says the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And he said, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you. And I love that because Moses is over here panicked. He's over here saying, "Um, I can't do this. I'm not equipped. I can't speak. And he's doubting what God is calling him to do because he feels like he can't do it on his own. But God already has this plan in place. And Aaron was already on his way to him. And he's seeing things that, like, God is, like, revealing things to him after he's wrestling with him and showing him that. But he's saying, like, God is saying to Moses, like, I've got it. Like, I'm telling you to do this, and I'm showing you that I'm preparing the way for you. Like, Aaron's already on his way, so just, like, just chill and do what I'm telling you to do. But he's saying, so Aaron's already on his way, and he'll be glad to see you. You'll speak to him and and put words in his mouth. I'll help both of you speak, and we'll teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. But take this staff in your hand so you can perform the signs with it. 
So Moses and Aaron are on this journey together, and, like, God's already, like, preparing them and showing them that they're going to be equipped. You know, they have the staff. Aaron's got the words. But they go to Pharaoh just like God tells them to. They're like, all right, all right, Pharaoh. You know what? God is telling us to come to you, and we're trying to have a festival in the wilderness, so we need to let our people go. And Pharaoh's like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. And he, like, immediately rejects what they're trying to tell him to do. But the cool thing (laughs) for Pharaoh, I guess, but not for the Israelites, like, Pharaoh's like, oh, like, wow, that's great. They've got, like, all this time. They want to go have a festival. I'm just going to give them more work to do. So as Moses and Aaron are coming, being obedient to the Lord and what he's telling them to do, going to Pharaoh, thinking, all right, this is going to be great. Like, we're going to go to Pharaoh because God told us to. And I'm sure in their minds they're thinking, we'll go, we'll ask. Pharaoh's going to be like, well, if God said that, then yeah, sure, I'll let your people go. Um, but no, Pharaoh's like, nope, and he doesn't let them go. And I, and I, I think that he just, he says, okay, we're going to give you even more work now. So as they're going through, the Israelites not only have, like, their regular work as the slaves that they were, now they have even more work to do. So imagine how they must have felt towards Aaron and Moses and then Aaron and Moses probably felt like a couple of schmucks because they're, like, going over to the Israelites telling you, come on, guys, we're going to give you, like, freedom. And we're going to, de- like, give you deliverance. And then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, sorry, you have even more work to do now. So it's this, this, this story that, like, keeps unfolding as Aaron and Moses are processing through this. Um, and everyone just keeps getting mad and saying, you should have just left us. We were fine as slaves. Like, they keep saying this, like, as a theme throughout these verses in Exodus. Um, and then they go, and they go over and over and over again to Pharaoh. And, and that, like, takes us into the plagues when um, there's, like, all these different plagues that happen. Like, they first there's, like, signs. And the staff, like, they throw the staff in before Pharaoh and his people, and it becomes a snake. Um, and then they turn the Nile into blood. And then they plague them with frogs. Like, imagine frogs everywhere, and that doesn't do anything. And then gnats. Like, you know how in the summer when it's really, really hot, there's just, like, you walk into, like, a cloud of gnats, and you're just like, whoa. Like, imagine that being, like, everywhere, and you can't get rid of them. And then flies. You know how when you're sleeping, there's just, like, a fly buzzing around your ear. You're just like, you can't find it, and it's, like, annoying. Like, yeah, like, not at the beach trip. I don't think that would happen there. But but you know what I mean? Like, maybe on the fall retreat, I don't know. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like, there's all these things that it's just, like, we read these words, and, I mean, I've read these stories all my life. But, like, if you really stop and think about it, like, imagine being just, like, surrounded by flies, and how, like, irritating that would be. And there's all these things, but they're just, like, so hardened and not letting the people go. And they just keep, like, Aaron and Moses just keep going and going and going. And um, finally, there's a, a plague that all of the firstborn sons of the Egyptians die. And then, so during the night, Pharaoh summoned Moses and Aaron and said, Up, leave my people, you and the Israelites, go worship the Lord as you've requested Take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and go, and also bless me. (laughs) He's like, just do something for me, too. So he's, like, acknowledging, and he's letting them go. Um, And they go on their way, and they're going, and they're going. and, And then all of a sudden, they turn around, and here comes Pharaoh. So they think they're free. They think they've got it. And then here comes Pharaoh and his people. 
And in Exodus 14, I'm just going to read a little bit of this, but it says, as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people, don't be afraid, stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through the chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. So, you know, I mean, we all know the story, right? They go through, the Israelites make it through, the water comes down over the Egyptians, um, and they, they get, like, they get to this journey. And, and that's where I'm going to kind of stop in this part of, of the story. And I definitely encourage you to read on because there's, man, there's just so much in, in this book and in this, in this story and even as it continues on. But one of, the, one of the things that really stood out to me through all of this was the first point, and it's that, just because things don't happen the way we want it to or the way we think it should doesn't mean that we aren't in the will of God. And we look at how, you know, from the very first ask of Moses and Aaron going to Pharaoh, like they're going in all confident thinking that this could happen, even though they knew his, his heart was going to be hardened, but they go in because God told them to. It didn't happen the way that they thought it would. And they're going in over and over and over again because God is telling them to. And how many times do we have things in our lives that God is saying to, like, to do something? And it doesn't look like it makes any sense or it doesn't feel good. <laughs> and, and we're, like, questioning, okay, well, like, can this really be God? Because this doesn't feel like a good thing. Like, this doesn't feel like it's going to be easy. But have to remember that, like, our feelings are not our boss, first of all. And that God is always going to lead us the way that we need to go. Um, and so then that leads me into our, into my second point. And that's just that obedience just doesn't always make sense. I love, love, love the verse in Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, where it says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on, on, your, not, lean not on your own understanding. And I love those words, like lean not on your own understanding. It doesn't have to make sense to us. Obedience doesn't have to make sense to you. I mean, if your parents are telling you, don't run across the street when there's a car coming, you don't have to say why. You just have to obey because your parents are looking out for you and they see the big picture. They see that there's a car coming and they understand. And you might not when you're a two-year-old. <laughs> you just see the ball across the street. And so... I think w obedience doesn't always make sense, but we have to always acknowledge the Lord and he's going to direct our path. I remember when I was, oh, like, gosh, in 2012, however many years ago that was, I was, God was just, actually it was in 2011, I was just having all these encounters with the Lord and I knew he was calling me to something and I thought I had it all figured out. Like, I was like, oh, this is what it's going to look like. I thought I was going to start a church with my friends, and it was going to be so fun because we were all, like, besties. 
and we were going to get to do all this cool stuff together. <laughs> and I just had it all figured out because I knew God was preparing me for something. And then I bumped into a random person up in Canada one weekend, and she's like, oh, you should move to Haiti with me. And I was like, no thanks, <laughs> you know. But after, like, several encounters with the Lord, he made it clear that that's what I was supposed to do. And obedience is what made the most sense, even though everybody was looking at me like, they're so you're moving to a country that you've never been to before. And I'm like, yeah. And so you're quitting your job that's, like, a really good job. And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, okay, but then, like, what are you going to do with your car? I'm like, I'm going to sell it. And, like, all these things that I just knew that God was telling me to do, and it didn't make sense to me. And there were moments, too, that I called, like, my mom and my best friend. I'd be like, why are you guys letting me do this? <laughs> this is an awful idea. But to the world, things might not make sense. And even to the way that we feel things might not make sense. But obedience is always going to be the best yes to God always, 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 when he's telling you to do something, it's always going to be the best yes. Even if it doesn't feel good or even if it doesn't make sense, it's always going to be worth it. The other thing that really stood out to me through this is when um, the Israelites kept saying and like saying things to Moses and Aaron and making comments about like, we should have just stayed in Egypt. And, and I just have this point written down that you don't have to say a slave. I think so often we, we go up for prayer. And I'm not saying not to go up for prayer. I want you to do that. And we're always here for you to pray for you. But there's so many times that, that we get prayer for the same thing over and over and over again. And God delivers us, but we choose to stay a slave. And we stay in that. And for whatever reason, but you don't have to stay a slave. Like they were free. God had given them that out. And even though it didn't make sense to them, like they're standing at this crossroads where, okay, we have these guys in front, or like the, the Red Sea in front of us and then the Egyptians behind us. They're saying, we should have just stayed slaves. Like this would have been so much better. But God's like, no, it's going to get better. Like I have a way out. Like just trust me because I see the big picture. So I just want to like remind you, like you don't have to stay a slave. And you don't have to stay in that slave mindset because God has an out for you. And the, ne the next thing or the last, the last kind of point I want to talk about is what's surrounding you? The Israelites found themselves in this position, like I said, where they have the Red Sea in front of them. There were like 600,000 men, plus women and children, plus livestock, all this stuff. They're standing here with like, they're like, what do we do? They have the sea in front of them. Pharaoh and his like homies are coming up behind them strong. Like, what are they going to do? <laughs> and they're like, okay. They're, you know, they're like looking at it with the eyes of thinking like, we're screwed. Like, we're surrounded. We don't have a way out. And how many times do we find ourselves in these positions where, like, we look around and, like, we feel surrounded? Maybe you feel surrounded by, like, temptation that you feel stuck in, like porn, or maybe you feel stuck in cutting, or maybe you feel stuck in an eating disorder or insecurity, and that just feels like it's surrounding you, and it's all that you can see, and you're like, how am I going to get out of this? because I'm stuck in it. It's all that's around me. There's not a way out. Or maybe you feel stuck in like um, other, other things. It's just like gossip. Like maybe you're so like um, just 
just engulfed in gossip at school that like it's all you can do and like you just can't help yourself but to get like plugged in with like oh I gotta talk about that da, 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 da. like your mouth just keeps going and you feel stuck in that maybe it's the noise that's in your life that's surrounding you like maybe you need to put your phone down maybe you need to turn off the TV maybe you need to turn the computer off like whatever it is whatever it is that's surrounding you and keeping you from the Lord that's anything that's putting distance or space between you and God is surrounding you and it's making it impossible for him to come in and surround you. But the reality is, even though it doesn't always feel like he's the one that's surrounding you, he's always there. The Israelites were in that spot and they, they felt like they were in an impossible situation. Remember what I said, your feelings aren't your boss. God is. God is over everything. He's all powerful and he's the one who's in control. And so they're in this spot where they're like, okay, here we are and it feels impossible. And it's like, um, I don't know if any of you were at Firestorm when, when Bishop Garlington was speaking, but he, he used this song. And I even like <laughs> leaned over and showed Ben, like, these are so many of my notes. But it was so cool because he kept singing the song Surrounded. And he, you know, the line where it, it may look like I'm surrounded, but then he just said, but God's got this. And that's, like, that's how we have to start looking at these situations. Like, things that, like, we're in a position where we feel surrounded by other things or things of the world or sin or whatever it is that's not God. But in reality, like, God is fully surrounding us. And God fully has us. But when we, don't, when we choose not to stay a slave, when we choose not to stay in that and to live in the freedom that he's given us, we get to fully embrace the surrounding that he's giving us. This morning I read a a quote um, by Mark Batterson, and it says this. When someone speaks in a whisper, you have to get really close to hear. In fact, you have to put your ear near the person's mouth. We lean toward a whisper, and that's what God wants. The goal of hearing the Heavenly Father's voice isn't just hearing his voice. It's intimacy with him. That's why he speaks with us in a whisper. Are you letting other voices surround you? Are you letting the other voices influence you? And are the loud voices of this world overpowering the whisper of God? Maybe it's time to just turn the volume down of everything else and just listen to the voice of God and to remember that he is the one surrounding us. I was driving to work this morning, and I realized, like, oh, it's the middle of March, and um, and I and I realized that 11 years ago, this month, like this week, actually, is when I found myself sitting, kneeling on my bedroom floor, weeping, because the loser boyfriend that I thought was amazing at the time had just uh, been cheating on me, and I was not walking with the Lord at that time. But that night, I encountered the Lord um, for the first time in a really long time. And I gave my life back to him. And it's been 11 years of running hard after the Lord. And I, I just, I want to say that it's worth the work that it takes to push the things away that aren't from the Lord. I went from being this, like, I mean, I was an angry, angry, broken person. Like, it was awful. I just had an awful relationship with my family because of me, not because of them. They loved me so well through all of my junk. 
But I just want you to know that, like, it's worth it to go after God. It's worth it to surround yourself with him. It's worth it to run into the healing and to not run away from it because of the breakthrough that you get to run into. And guys, I know, I've said this before, I know that like what you guys walk through at school or whatever, like the things that you're involved with, like there's a lot of darkness in our world. But you guys have the most amazing opportunity I remember saying, I think it was at one of the encounter nights that was just like, there were times where I thought, man, like I would not want to be a teenager today. But then the Lord was just like, but would you though? Because you guys get to be part of like an amazing move of God. And it totally changed the way I was thinking because even though you're faced with darkness, even though you're faced with all these like really, really tough things that are in your schools or that just that people are walking through, God's got this. And you guys get to be part of him moving and transforming lives. And I just think it's like such an amazing time for all of you to just get to walk through it. So I have Cameron. She's going to sing the song Surrounded. But if you guys all want to just stand and just want to encourage you to just use the next few minutes to just really ask the Lord to show you. Um, And maybe you already know. And if you guys want to find a leader to pray with you or a friend or something, but if there's something in your life that you feel is like surrounding you that you need to let go of and let God take its place, I want to challenge you to just lay that thing down tonight and never pick it up again. Let tonight be a marker in your life that you get to just say, yeah, March 13th, That was the night that God changed my heart forever. This podcast was recorded live at a Wednesday night youth meeting. To find out more, check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching Airborne Youth.